If you want to grow your business, you need to educate and engage your customers at every point of the funnel. So Thinkific Plus can help you do just that with their powerful learning platform that's so easy to use. Thinkific Plus believes that customer education can combat the common challenges of recurring revenue, like churn. So Thinkific Plus has created a purpose-built platform for agile teams that allows you to create impactful educational experiences for your customers. That means you can find new ways to engage with them. You can drive adoption, renewals, expansion, and growth, everything that a business cares about. So reimagine education for your customers' success with Thinkific Plus. You can get one month of Thinkific Plus for free with our special code. Go to thinkific.com slash C-E-L-A-B-S. That's thinkific.com slash C-Labs. Welcome to C-Lab, the customer education laboratory, where you know what we do. Do I have to say this? Yeah, we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate the myths and bad advice that stop growth dead in its tracks. And today, we have a special guest, the second in our Thinkific series. I want to welcome to the show, Aaron Morin. Aaron, can you please give a welcome to the audience and just a, light, a quick intro to yourself. Hey everyone. Yeah, I'm I'm super happy to be here. As Dave said, my name is Aaron Morin and I've been working at Thinkific for close to 7 years now. So, wow. I got Congrats. started in 2016, employee 23, which is Woo. Yeah, it's been a ride. And my official title is I'm the senior manager of education and community at Thinkific, but really all that means to the customers is that I'm the guy in the videos telling them what to do making sure that they can be as successful as possible. And I'm the guy that sits around in the community and gives my advice and moderates and sets up some fun stuff for people to do. So that's what I've been doing recently. But I've worked at Thinkific across the entire customer lifecycle. I've done projects in referral and retention and activation and acquisition. And right now I've been working... It's been a, it's been, it's been a journey for sure. And right now well, I'm working... Yeah, I've been working more along the lines of content marketing. So that's been a lot of fun too. Ooh, okay. I'm going to stop you there. I got to put you on pause because let's use that to frame up our discussion. And this is really exciting. What, what we at Lab really like to do is talk to folks like you who've had this progression and journey in a career in the space because the things you're talking about, you know, hey, you're, you're now getting into marketing and stuff. You're in community. You're clearly in customer ed. You've been at the company for seven years. This journey into, the, into this customer education world is what's most important. So we're gonna tell that story. Let me do what well, we always do our tradition, which is International Day of, and I actually, I never thought about this, but you know, we, we don't necessarily release these on the day that we record them. So this is your way to go hunting to find out what actually what actual day we did record. And that actual day is, this is, drumroll, National Pizza Party Day. Any glib comments? It's Friday. <laughs> yeah. I feel like pizza parties have gotten, gotten a lot of got a lot of bad bad news in the last couple of years here. I feel like it's kind of like the inside joke where it's like, you know, all right, everybody, we're <laughs> tightening up all the budgets. You did a great job this quarter. Here's that pizza party you've all been waiting for. 
No bonuses, no raises. Yeah, no bonuses, yeah. but you got pizza. <laughs> we know I'll, I'll take the other days today. Today is National Devil's Food Day, Devil's Food Cake Day, National NASCAR Day. There we go. <laughs> National Bike to Work Day. Nope. I don't do that in Seattle anymore. I almost got killed. So, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. No, no, no. Let's roll, let's roll with this. And, and this episode, to frame it up more, I, I really want this to be more of a story of let's tell your tale. Let's go through your journey and talk about all these things that you've been worked on, working on over the years. It's, it's an honor to meet somebody in this field, which is like, hey, you've, you've survived, I guess survived, but you've gone through a really interesting journey. I mean, I've seen some stuff in the news over the last year or so. Your company has grown. They IPO'd. Many of the platforms and platform vendors that I know C-Lab works with the sponsors and are out there in our space are not IPO'd, right? Or they're private or they're on that sort of, they're in the SaaS world. So I want to get a deeper look at that. And then what I'd really like to do is come back to what we talked about, about this world of customer success, right? And talking about what? Think if it plus and how that entree and that positioning into the market is interesting. And you as a listener, you really take note. Okay. Is that a lot? That's a lot. We got plenty of stuff to do. So you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Aaron, now go back to where we were a little bit ago when you started to talk about seven years, man. Take us through the timetable, but where were you before that? How, what, the thing that I've always find interesting is we all come from different places. I am a trained, I've got a master's degree in computational chemistry, right? I'm a musician on the side. Here I am in customer education because I did a lot of weird things. Everybody knows about that. Tell us your tale and your journey to get here. What are the kinds of things you did before you got to think of it? It's an interesting tale. I don't know if it's going to be super relatable for everyone who's kind of like jumped around and built their career up. I know that that's a path for a lot of people. And part of me always looks back and says, you know, should I have like spent the majority of my career at one company? But it's been such a journey and I've been... I've had the opportunity and I've been very grateful for the opportunity to do so many different things. And yeah. like we mentioned before, like, or like you called me before, I, like, I feel, I definitely feel a bit like a survivor for sure. Cause we've gone, we've definitely had our, ups. it's been mostly ups, but you know, we've all had, we've had our downs in the last couple of last couple of years for sure. So we'll get into that. But when I first got started in tech, I was writing, basically doing SEO writing. I went to school. Search, search engine optimization? Yeah, that's right. So, for marketing? Okay. Yeah, I worked for a company called... Oh, I can't even remember the name of them. I think it was called Sites for Contractors. And I would do the... I would do this like templated writing where it was like, you know, how... What's the difference between a shingle roof and a metal roof in, you know, Vancouver or in Burnaby or in, you know, whatever. And they would do these like local contractor SEO. So I was basically making money per word at that point. So this was pre-chat GPT. Could have done that. <laughs> oh, you know? yeah. Like, what is it? Oh, okay. I'll just spit that out. Cool. Just oh, yeah. check it. Yeah. This wow, is like okay. a Tedious. couple, a couple, this was like side money, man. It was like, it was, <laughs> it was <laughs> light lift. Yeah. It was, <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of how I got into things. And it, it it's an interesting story. So I, I went to, I was going to, I was finishing up school in Nanaimo on Vancouver Island in British Columbia Ooh. here. Ooh. And so I was going to school. I originally wanted to start journalism. And 
I had a journalism teacher. I went to journalism 101. I sat down and I was like, this is the start of the rest of my life, you know? And the journalism instructor was like, okay, everybody, this is journalism. And he painted this horrific picture of being a journalist. And I was like, this is not it. You know, I'm not going to be on the news. I'm not going to be doing documentaries across the world, that kind of stuff. I don't, that's not me. You know, I'm going to probably end up like this guy. I'm going to be doing news in a, in a small town somewhere and just running over when there's a fire at the supermarket or something and taking pictures. That's not me. So I quickly pivoted over to media studies and digital media studies in particular. So it was, it was very like broad education in tech, but it, you know, I learned HTML, CSS and learned how to write stuff. I learned how to record stuff, do my own video editing, audio editing, all the skills you kind of need to kind of get into the space. And I was living in Qualcomm beach at the time, which is basically like a retirement community. And what it, I got, that guy, your stories coming out of this. That's just I got, great. Yeah. No, nothing's going on. <laughs> nothing's going on. I got straight A's. I, there was no partying, nothing. So I got, a, it was great for my academic health, but basically what ended up happening in Vancouver was like a bunch of these people, you know, who owned companies, small companies that they got purchased or they made enough money and then they shut it down and moved on. And so there was a bunch of these early retirees, these like CEOs on the island and in the Noose Bay area or Qualcomm or Parksville. And they were all, they were all really bored. So they ended up making new companies and they all got together this guy had a genius idea to have like the town of Qualcomm basically pay for a co-working space. So he, he got everybody together in this space. And I just went there to do my homework and, and like learn from these guys. So I eventually started doing work for them. And that led me into my first job in the, my first real job in tech, which was I basically did everything for this guy. His name's James Dean, no joke. And he ran a company called at Browse Lab. And we built like knowledge base software. And I basically did every single thing for that company outside of building the product and all the operations, business finance stuff. So I was doing the marketing, the sales, I was doing the support, and I was doing like anything essentially at that point. So I got a lot of skills out of that. And it was a lot of fun. So I, I did that all through school and a little bit afterwards. And then I moved back to Vancouver and I got started at Thinkific. And that's been the journey so far. I mean, we can dive into Thinkific, but... Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, let's... That is really... Actually, is really interesting to me because I do think it's common these days that we move around a lot. I know people that, that don't, but this is the thing that I think is resonant with our field of people that are in customer ed and, and in tech in general is that a lot of us are hungry to learn. And you told me, like, right there, I mean, CSS, HTML, I could pick up those skills. I did a lot of content development. One of the things I thought to pull the thread through from journalism is I always call myself an investigative journalist because in a, in a former relationship, my partner was a journalist. She went to school for it too. And she immediately quit because she thought <laughs> that would have been the same experience for her. Like, no, this is not me. I cannot do this the rest of my life. But I think those skill sets, Aaron, like, again, this is the early days, Aaron, but even in my career. And, and many of the people that I talk to, we all have this kind of, wow, I learned these skills, I learned these skills, and all of a sudden, here's customer education that drops in your lap. You are ready, right? And those people that find their way into that have to pick up those skills too. I mean, this isn't a problem. But now, let's talk Thinkific. And last episode with you, with your team, we were talking about, okay, we've got new products and stuff like that. But 
One of the things I hear about Thinkific all the time, Aaron, I mean, it's, it's out there. Like I see ads, stuff happens. I've known people that work there, know you. We're on, we're on the same network. What's always helpful for us in this field of customer ed, this is your opportunity to tell the story because the story of your company is the culture of your company. And in, in education, that matters because now our audience knows who Aaron is. We know what your other team players is and we know what your product is. Tell us how you got to where... So today, what are the like these cool milestones? And you found yourself in this co-working space, and all of a sudden, Thinkific's there, and you've got this opportunity. What's happening? The story of Thinkific is quite interesting. You know, since since we got started in Plus, and we started to serve the mid-market kind of community and the enterprise community, it's been taking off really well. I think we have had like an incredible team behind that marketing messaging. So I'm glad to hear that you hear th- about Thinkific wherever you go. Because they're working really hard and they're incredibly talented people on our team. So that's always good to hear. You know, Thinkific really started as a solopreneur, small team, entrepreneur. We used to call them infopreneurs, you know, those kinds of people, coaches, speakers, authors, those kinds of people. And then over time, you know, it's kind of every one of those kinds of people has kind of shifted demographically, age wise, into this like creator kind of overall concept called the creator, the creator educator, if we want to be specific. So our roots are really deep into that space. And those people are busy and they have no time for nonsense. And they want to look as good as the company with 500 employees. They want to look better, right? So there's a lot, there's a ton of needs from these people. And so when Greg got started, he essentially had people coming. I'm sure you've heard the story already on the other episode, but if the listeners don't haven't listened to that one yet, the, in a nutshell, what happened was Greg and his brother basically created a website called AlphaScore. Greg's a lawyer. He was teaching LSATs prep. And people came to them. His brother built a site. He did the teaching and the business and stuff. He's also very much in the, into the product as well, but his brother was the coder. And... So they built that system for themselves and other people came and were just like, hey, I teach too. I want to do this. And there's nothing much out here that that I like. Can you build me a site? So they started building sites for people. And then obviously it's like, I can't build a site every weekend, you know, or every week. Let's build a self-serve kind of experience, right? And they went freemium. Scaling. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Scaling, right? So over the, I guess like 13 years now, I think 13 years for, for Thinkific, that's that is where things got started but we really fit in with the with that kind of culture that that like hustler entrepreneur culture small teams personality brand driven and so we had to build tools that got everything done easily it looked really good and it was super easy to manage over time and it just worked there was no issues there's no bugs there's no migration problems if you're coming over from another platform and then it kind of just snowballed from there. We just kept building on that audience. And then the pivot to, well, not a pivot, but... Oh, the, wait, wait. Can I, can yeah, I pause yes, you? Yes. I'm really following the story. What I'm trying to do is like, let's talk about this thing. Let's go to the next one. So I want to respond a little bit. So what this is what I've heard about those who've used the platform. And like, I know enough people and I've looked around it myself, but it's easy. It just works. It's that Apple thing, Right. And I think that's one of the one of the challenges that we often have in customer ed, because there's there's almost this foment internally, like we kind of have something, and then sometimes you overbuy, 
you don't have what you need in the moment. And okay, as me, as a consultant who talks to people to build customer education programs, one of the things that I say is, look, you're changing over time. You may have five different learning platforms and different tool sets and all this stuff over time. But starting somewhere, you need to start where you have low friction and ease of, you know, I can put content up and I don't have a lot of hurdles because that's the, and when you're talking about the hustle culture, I think of several friends of mine out there. I used to work at Outreach and I would see these folks break off and now they're the hustle culture folks. And what they do, they built a community, they built a learning platform, they use a product like yours, they would grow it up until now they're the business and now they're going to go down the road. So that is that still part of your business fabric? Like, is that as it was then is still today? But with yeah, the yeah, for sure. I mean, great question. The The most interesting thing that's happened over the years is that thing with the demographic shift that I've mentioned. But it is very much embedded in this company to serve that group of people. So we we definitely create for those people. We definitely have, you know, a huge, huge level of support for those people as well. So it's definitely embedded in our marketing strategy. When it comes to the culture at Thinkific, working at Thinkific, early days 2016 to 2018, that culture definitely came in. We hired a lot of people out of that space, people who who have gone on to create their own courses and their own kind of education business empires as well. So we really resonated with that group of people as well. So it's kind of strange. Like the the time that we went to Plus, the time that we started building for Plus was also the time that we became kind of like a, a customer for ourselves at that time too. So we matured at that same time that we started going and talking to businesses that were like us and had these similar problems. But yeah, it's it's always been it's always been easy, seamless, customizable and it just works, you know? And that's when you said overbuying, I totally get it. I've been we overbought on a on a community platform a long time ago and it was a nightmare. We didn't need it at all whatsoever. In the end, it was a huge mistake. <laughs> and I agree. You got to start small. Iterate over time, for sure. Don't go big, big, big right at the start. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I really wanted to talk to you too. Because me as a, I kind of look at myself as an analyst sometimes too. And I'm talking with a lot of different folks in the space. But what it's interesting, you know, I was at an event this week with a lot of companies like yours, right? And they're all kind of in like some are high end, some are mid-market, some are here. But they all don't have necessarily the sense of, we're really not competing with each other. There's over a thousand LMSs in the world, and that's because they're purpose-built for different things. So when when I would consult with somebody, let's say Aaron, you come to me and you go, "Hey, I got I got need to build content. I need to put a university course up. I want to build my academy. Where do I start?" And I'm like, "Okay, what do you have now? I've got squat, nothing. Okay, well, let's build some content first, and then like pilot out some stuff and just put it on your website or you know whatever any product if you want." Next step is I look to folks like, okay, if you're really lean and you're starting to do, and you just want to like get it up quick, that's where I might direct someone towards you because then you've got a place where it looks pro, but I don't like the premise. One of the premises of customer education is agile. It's number four on the customer education manifesto, fast loops, quick to market. But until the emergence of platforms like yours and some other tools that I've seen out there, you really didn't get a good, you'd get garbage, right? I get something out there and go, okay, 
But now you're able to position somebody and say, hey, you content influencer, you know, you know, info, like all the titles you use, go here, use this, get started. Then so the then what is think of it place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And all of the tools that those solopreneurs are using to put their content out there and sell it and and give it away, those are all the tools that you'll be using. And Thinkific Plus is just that kind of like layer on top of the things that larger companies typically need when it comes to like API, SSO, all of those kinds of things, like a, a CSM to, to trust at our company. And then we've been slowly building out other features over time that Plus company or Plus customers have requested. So we're definitely still aligned with the revenue generation model, but it works really well for customer education too. So we made a decision very early on to support those two use cases with Gific Plus, and especially for people who maybe smaller teams or teams that are just getting started with a customer education program. They have some content, like you said, and they want to start moving into more formal education. That's when Plus shines. It also really, like we've had a lot of people come over from our, what we call like the self-serve line. And we call it self-serve because it's more you know, it's self-serve. You, we, I make on-demand content for them, webinars, co- courses, those kinds of things. We've had a lot of people find their success in the self-serve space. And then they get into a conversation with us and, and we start working with them on the on the plus side because their revenue is like 10x or 100x over their period of time. So, wow. Yeah. Well then, okay, let, let's talk more about that. So this week I was at Gainsight's Pulse Conference in San Francisco. And I'm bringing this up intentionally because now we're looking at that mid-market. You're starting to speak that, well, and starting, you have been speaking the language of customer success. So the soft pitch I guess I'd make to you right now is, how do you think about customer success? You know, like I want to twist a little bit different because last episode we talked more about, well, this is what we're doing. But how are you going after the market? And like, what does the market need to know about you in this product base? Like, what is what was the main problem to solve for that next step? Is Hey, well, I need more structure. I think I heard you say, which is what I would think, reporting and SSO and, you know, that other stuff. So these are the, what are these asks that these companies, can you go deeper into that? Yeah, for sure. So it's fun. Like we've had a lot of customer education companies come to us and they are very, very, they're very customer success focused. Their KPIs are all around customer success. But then we talk to them about like, exploring the revenue generation side of things and charging for courses or charging for certifications. And are they asking you that or are you helping them explore those conversations? Yeah. I mean, sometimes companies come to us. Sometimes we go to them. It it depends on the situation, but typically a customer education company coming on to plus they'll have specific needs. They need to get a course out. They need, you know, the baseline reporting. They might need SSO because they want users to log in from within their app or something like that. But then we have a discussion around the potential revenue generation because Thinkific has a lot of great power there. And companies like Hootsuite use the Thinkific platform to sell as well as give to customers. And those the certifications that the the for the paid content becomes like a, a point in sales conversations. So the salesperson can include a number of certifications in the deal itself. So customer education then like starts token, to generate like some I could a, Then I could, I could have a sales agent go, okay, I'm going to create you a certain number of tokens or something like that. And then... That's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. So now, 
All right. I want to spend some time on this discussion. Again, I like these organic conversations where you're threading sure. the needle. Yeah. That, Hopefully we're not jumping whole, around too much. Yeah. No, actually, I think this is quite on point because one of the things that I think is really troubling and complicated, let me see if I can grasp where the core of your market might be and then coming from my angle. That one the things that I know from my experience, I've worked at a number of, I think a half dozen different startups now over my career. And going way back, you know, I've done all kinds of crazy stuff. But it's taught me one thing is that we're all scrappy and we're always fighting for dollars and we're always fighting for time. And then things like, well, your CEO come over and go, hey, Dave, how can we generate more revenue off of this training program you've done? I mean, you've done a great job. And well, and imagine me as not a customer education person yet, even. They, they, I'm an organization that might be a bunch of CSMs who have decided to take their own initiative, or maybe we have a CS ops person. Somebody starts to coalesce the all the debt, like again, I was at Pulse this week and I'm in the language of a customer success manager. The biggest problem with customer success is at first when you're small, you're gonna train everybody or you know, someone in your company is going to do it. But CSMs tend to start being mom and papa bears and oh, I'm gonna take care of you, I'll train you. And then next thing you know, you're investing hundreds of hours Training, not necessarily monitoring or helping and doing the job that you're doing as a CSM. It's part of it, but it should be a very small proportion of the amount of time you spend with activities and customer success, which is more, oh, I see a decrease in utilization of this account. I need to go work with them and I need to do adoption. Well, now I might bring education into that play. And that's where I'd want to go say, well, how do we do that at scale? Meaning, scale to me means, how can I delegate some of this crap off the plate? Yeah. Tell me about this. Now that I like, (laughs) sorry for the almost expletive, but tell me more about that revenue generating thing because that's really hard in every company I know. Like I had one of my senior vice presidents tell me one day when he was hiring me for a job while I was in that, he's like, look, Dave, I don't care about revenue where we're at today. Two years later, he did. Mm -hmm. And I was, and and now my life is different and, and I get stuck. So I was saying goodbye to somebody here. I can stop, right? So let's talk about this. Let's sit in the space a little bit about revenue. What are the things that you're helping those customers and and and, and teaching them? Yeah, it's it's really like out of the roots of our of our our self serve business line for sure. When it comes to the idea of charging for the education, I think a lot of people get turned off because you know they're making money for the company through customer success, through retention, through expansion, maybe some feature paid feature adoption, depending on your product. But it can be really powerful to offer something that your customers have to buy into, or it's a part of their deal in some way, shape, or form, because then it becomes so much more valuable to them. I think that Right off the bat, when you give away something for free or it's you know a value add and there's no line item on their bill for it, I think just psychologically, a lot of people just ignore it because it's just, you know, it's free, it's useless, right? It's or worthless, I mean to say. In in, it's back, free, in the back it's of your worthless. mind. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have books on my I have so many books on my shelf I haven't read that I've gotten for free, right? I've read the books that I bought for sure, but those free books? <laughs> no, definitely not. Right? Yeah. So, unless you know how I do it now. I, I found that in this line of business, people are sending me books to read 
and it drives me to actually read them because they're free, but I have to do a podcast on them. So you got to make a hook for yourself. Otherwise, yeah, you got to get some, you got to get some value out of it in some way. But yeah, I think first of all, psychologically, it makes a huge difference. So you're going to see a lot more engagement. You're also going to attract. It's a bit of a filter. So if you're using it to attract customers, we've done this for years at Thinkific. We've run education programs as a kind of bonus or as a kind of add-on to a deal that we've been running. And it attracts the right type of people, in my opinion. I got challenged early on because I was saying, look at all these people in my in my cohort program. They're doing so well. And then, you know, I didn't know anything about data at the time or, or selection bias or anything like that. And the the director of our data team came up to me and was like, well, these are people that would take courses anyway, so they're going to succeed, right? As, as a kind of challenge and saying like, well, I don't know if the course is doing anything. It's probably just the fact that we attracted a whole bunch of like keeners, essentially. And I was like, <laughs> that's awesome, you know? Keener, keeners? Is that what you said? Yeah, keeners. People who who take things very seriously. They sit down, they learn, they try stuff. You know, the people I who are in I heard that it. phrase. That's okay. We've got, a, we've got a new one for me. I like that a lot. Keeners. They, they're yeah. people that want to learn and they're, they're, they're kind of yeah. go-getters. Yeah. So there's there's definitely some intent bias. But I think it, it acts it, on the flip side, it acts as a way to kind of filter out people who are not going to take the product seriously or, or, or don't really care about the product. And they're not going to engage with the content that you send them anyways. So once it becomes a paid thing, then, you know, you've paid for it. So you have to do it, right? Theoretically. I've got a lot of those too sitting on my show. True, true. <laughs> I did not read. Yeah. And you're going you're gonna to attract the right types of people when it is a paid product. So obviously when it is a paid product, you're also going to start making revenue. And I think I think that recently, I mean, we've experienced this at Thinkific too. You know, we've had our ups and downs. And because of the way the world is currently, speaking to a lot of people who are considering Plus, I've been on tons of sales calls with our with our sales team for Plus. A lot of people are super stoked about creating a customer education program. But the last hoop is to run through somebody on the customer success team or somebody on the C-suite team. And they say, okay, I need like hard ROI on this, essentially, right? Like what, what's going to happen here? Okay. okay. Slow down. Yeah. Now we're in the money land here. Yes. This is... And I want to focus this moment for you and our audience too, because again, I was at this event this week. And when I'm listening to keynotes and I'm listening to, it's all about investment. Now, dollars now in this macroeconomic condition that we're in mm-hmm. are matter. So it's even harder to get spend, right? To be able to purchase a platform. And that exec is going to say, all right. Now, why I wanted to pause you is because I know this is a really big challenge for us. I struggle with this. We all struggle with this because determining ROI Education, you know, is not a causal relationship, it's a correlative relationship. We have to do a lot more work to, you know, here's my train, here's my learners, here's my CRM, here's my product data, put it all together, as Adam would say, I would say, munge it to produce dashboards and to be able to show, hey, I had I launched a program, people paid for that program. I invested this much in, in, in instructional design and content development. Net net positive. What's my what, what would you you look at like your your margin? You know, I want to see a fifty percent margin estimated gross margin. Break that, even you know? is good too. 
Yeah. To, well, for education, it's definitely good. But then yeah. if you're going to go for revenue, you should try to, you know, yeah. look, you gotta, yeah. I got to fund my team now because the one of the, the caveats of going revenue-based kind of two, now I start having a, a revenue that the company could count on. Yes. <laughs> and now that my goals are moved further because I have to make margin on that revenue <laughs> yeah. to be able to fund more people to bring in my team, I could become a static team that's self, self-sustaining, but not growing. So yes. oh, oh, look, blow open that space for me, man. I want to, I want to hear more. Yeah. ROI. Totally. You know, totally, like, yeah. there's going to be an ROI. How do you, how would you unpack that with the think of a cloud? Yeah. So, I mean, in my experience at Thinkific, I, I, I don't really make promises that this is going to drive revenue in like a huge way. And I'm going to set a revenue target and I'm going to beat it by 3x, 10x, whatever, every quarter or anything like that. You can. And, and once you start making money off of the programs, that tends to happen. But in my experience, you know, I've been focused on the customer success side of things, which has been harder to show causal relationships for, like you said, without A-B testing, it can be incredibly difficult to do that. So I like to pitch it as, you know, the reason why I said even break-even is because if you can cover your costs, then you're good. There's not like too much pressure on showing those kinds of relationships right away in extremely hard ROI. You can wait, you can give it time, you buy yourself maybe a year to see the effects of this kinds of education that you're putting out there. So for me, I deal a lot with like solopreneurs. I deal a lot with people who are just getting started or on their their first venture outside of service. You know, we have a lot of coaches who provide that kind of thing. And it takes them a long time to hit product market fit. So this is I've learned over the years that I can't I can run a 30-day challenge, sure. Am I going to get tons of people selling courses out of it? Probably not, cuz it takes a little bit longer to put things together, for sure. As we all know, if we've ever built an online course, selling it on top of that, it takes forever. So <laughs> I don't like to create those and, uh, expectations. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wanted to tap on a point you made. You said you have coaches. So what are your, that's a different term than we, like usually I'm used to seeing a coach being a CSM, but- Oh, I, I mean the, the customer. The customer is is a coach. Oh, they are a coach, okay. Yeah. And so wow. they, they've started to build products and it's the difference between a service provider and a product provider mm-hmm. and making that transition is very difficult for a lot of people. So that's what I was getting at. But we do also do coaching yeah. in, in our programs if we want to talk about that. <laughs> I do want to talk about that because one of the things that I, that, that I often find lacking and I think is unique for in your kind of cultural fabric, right? You came out of this hustle. It, I don't want this to be pejorative but I love the term hustle culture because that's defined me. There are some of us that even against our own health and best interests, we're attracted by things, you know, shinies, right? But more than that, it's that we we want to go learn something deeply. We'd be kind of master it and move to the next thing because we don't need to get those skills. So how would your coach and what would they, how would they work with me on the platform? Like what's a, what's a tip for a solopreneur who's coming to the platform. I'm so like, I'm coming to you and I go, oh, I'm struggling a little bit. I need a little help. What are like some of the example things that one of your Thinkific coaches, right? Pro- software coaches will be able to tell me, like, let's say I'm a soccer coach and, and I, I'm doing a soccer club, right? I'm a soccer coach. And it's cool to be like, okay, I'm going to do a workshop and I'm going to put that online. And because we have a lot of these tools in, you know, youth soccer associations where 
gosh, if you can show these kids a video of how to do the, like the spin kick and go around, you know, those kids are just going to love to do that. Going to look cool. They're probably not going to fall down. You know, mom and dad's going to be like, yeah, Dave taught him that. I'm like, okay, I get a nice pizza party at the end of the year. See how I loop that back in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm just curious. I, I'm curious about that because I don't see, I see like a CSM a platform might be a coach ish. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. So for on our self serve side, we have group coaching. We always do group coaching. It's at scale, and then on our CSM side, you get a one on one approach. It's very high touch. Mm -hmm. Okay. So on the at scale side for our self serve business line, we get people coming in who just need to ask questions, and they love the group coaching or the community experience because they get to hear questions that they might not have thought of yet. And learn from each other. And I've I've run sessions. And just to be clear, like at Thinkific, we have me and we have a few people on the support team that take part in some of this coaching. And then we have our wonderful program manager named Daniel Cooper who jumps on calls as well. So it's not not a huge team of coaches. We've talked about scaling it out, and and that might be something that we're going to be approaching in the next uh, year or two here with this program we've just launched. But uh, our group calls have been super awesome because the customers often take care of each other. And I've run these calls where customers are just helping each other fully when it comes to best practices. And even with just Thinkific, like even with tech support questions, people will be like, oh yeah, I did that the other week. This is what I did. Let me share my screen. I'll show you exactly what I did on my, on my page. And I'm like, okay, I'll sit back. Like, I don't need to work Pops right now. Beer. Yeah, like, okay. I, beer. I had a good afternoon here. This is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> it really is beautiful. And and our and our community is another space where that happens. It's hit a critical mass now. We don't have to do any commenting. I, I always take a quick look and I encourage the people that I work with, the moderators on that community, to go through and make sure people do get answers. And that answers from other customers are are relatively accurate. <laughs> but we we really have a critical hit a critical mass in that space where customers are just helping each other. And another part of this mix is our service providers are registered Thinkific agency partners. And we have a we have what we call an experts marketplace where you can go and you can find people that are extremely experienced with Thinkific implementations or just in general with marketing, copywriting, content creation. And these people can be hired at whatever rate they're charging to help our customers out. And it's very self-serve, but we vet we vet them and we make sure that they're legitimate and they have helped customers before. And so wow. the, the secret sauce in the mix is adding those people in to the community space and to the group coaching experiences to be able to help because they're incredibly incentivized. They, they drive a lot of business for themselves by doing that. Oh, so you don't have to actually, well, this sounds weird, but you don't really actually have to pay them. That's them. It's their brand pulling through to you. It's kind of leaking their brand back into your product to help you out. And now I don't hear too many folks that talk about this kind of a vibrant of community. Though I do have a I do have an, a question about community because community's hot. I mean, I was in an argument I guess yesterday about talking about community being part of customer education. Adam Adam I have this whole day on about customer education is what we call it, but these things all inter inter interleave and it's like a fabric, right? You might be doing somebody was saying, oh, we were doing. I don't know what they're talking about. They're talking about webinars and all this stuff, and I call this customer success and like everything on there is customer education, man. 
like, uh, but I want to do that. I want to pivot it back and say, all the interventions that we have as a part of customer success tend to be educational interventions. And that's not always true. So I can't take a, let, let me ask you again, community, what kind of platform are you using to deliver community? What, what is, who do you use? Do you use vendor or you use yourself? Yeah, like I said before, we we went with a a, a a big vendor. I won't I won't say their name because it yeah, doesn't really do, work out. Okay, don't but, do that. That's good. Yeah, we did. Anyway, they're, they're probably great vendor for a different kind of. Actually, you know? they're incredible. Yeah, just yeah. just for what we needed at the time, it was overkill. We had a community team at the time, and it didn't quite work out with that team, unfortunately. So we just went back to the roots, and we got started. Like I said, hustle culture. We got started with a Facebook group. And our customer community on our self-serve line is still a Facebook group. So it's, yeah, it's been really, it's been really nice to have that group of people. Now we don't gate it to customers only. So there are former customers in there and there are people that are considering Thinkific as well. And that just adds to, that just adds to the mix, the, the composition of, of the community. It's relatively, I should say, it's it is a positive place. It can get a little hairy at times, like any community space. But I absolutely love going in there and learning from people. But we use Facebook groups. Now that said, we have just launched this year the second iteration of our paid cohort-based course for our self-serve line. We're now calling it the Thinkific Accelerator. And it's an eight-week program that runs you through all of the best practices for getting started with online courses for profit. Uh, this group uses our own product, which is called Think of It Communities. Very simple name. And it's essentially a private branded Facebook group kind of experience. And we launched that, I think, two years ago. And they, the communities team, Sarah Kozlowski is, the, is a product manager on that. Incredible team I have worked with. They're one of my favorite teams I've ever worked with on product. They listen to customers. They have customer calls every single day. I, actually, that's a little overkill. I, I feel like they have customer calls every single day. They know these people inside and out. And... Uh, they have been developing features over the past two years to make communities incredibly powerful as a feature. There's live events, there's a search bar, there's trending posts, there's admins now and moderators. Like it's a fully fledged community product now. Uh, and we're adding more to it all the time. So it's it's really, really exciting to be able to, I guess, like, you know, a lot of people say dog fooding when you use your own product, but I don't like that term. Champagne. I, like, I like champagne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's well, been so really nice. <laughs> So, okay, I don't, I think I heard, I was trying to hear the answer to your question. Sure. Do you have a, a brand, a community platform, or did you, or did you build your own? Yeah, so I guess we built, we built our own. It's on our own platform. It's on Thinkific. Okay, that's, yeah. that's what I wanted to know. Okay, cool. So you yeah. have a community component of your own platform that allows for that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Oh, man. Okay, this is such a great call. And this, this folks, again, I'm going to start wrapping up, but breaking the fourth wall. These are the kind of things we want to talk about. Go back and listen to the first episode if you want to hear a lot more about the Thinkific Plus product from like a canonical definition. Now we're getting into the community and we're getting into Aaron's mind, you know, day to day <laughs> behind the scenes. How did we get here? This is the fun yeah. part. This is like, again, a goal at C-Lab is to make humanize and spread a different kind of information about why customers love and use your plan. And that's really helpful. So can I can I pivot you and like well like, is there anything else that you want to talk about in this because I've got a couple more topics and then I want to run out the door. 
Yeah, I mean, I I just wanted to call out that we're going to be at Locon. I don't know if if you're I was going to ask this. Let's okay. yeah. <laughs> Let's take five minutes. I'm part of this group that's that's doing with Brian Charles and team. Tell me more. Like, I'm super excited because I will be there. I'll be part of the the team. Yeah, for sure. It's it's really it's really cool. Brian reached out on Slack and he asked if we'd be interested in. You know, contributing in any way, shape, or form. He told me about this crazy plan to like rent out a mansion and have all of these customer education people come together. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, I, I've been waiting for something like this as a customer education professional for so long. July 21st to the 23rd, I believe. Uh, yeah, basically- I'm going to pull up the screen right here. So, yeah, good call. Let's help. Let's help our customers. Let's see, share a screen. And I know how to do this. I'm really good at Zoom and it'll look a little weird. But yeah, Locon Vancouver. I'm I am I am stoked because it's the first of its kind. It is. Yes. I mean, I can't think of anything else on this level for sure. I'm really excited about it. So, we have sponsored with Brian and so we're going to be hosting a a meetup, a networking event at Gifik HQ. Oh, we're going to get to go to your HQ? Oh, oh man, yeah, so for sure. This is going to be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. We have a really great space. It's very central in, in Vancouver as well. It's on Terminal in Maine. And so I'm really excited to meet a lot of people. I, I had a call recently with somebody from Thought Industries. I had, I've had i been talking with individuals across the board here coming. So they're, everyone's talking about it. They're all getting excited. And I'm super... I, I just love that Brian rented out a mansion. That's the, that's the best part. Oh, have you seen the pictures of it? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bougie. Well, there's... <laughs> <laughs> We are going to have, so so those of you who are going, look, this is going to be a professional event. I've been an oh, event yeah. manager for decades. Like, we're going to do it right. We have insurance, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but no, I'm I'm really excited about this too. And I wanted to have a chance to talk about this out loud. So this is where we get to present it together. Me, like, there's a small cadre of people, including Brian and a couple others. And there, some of them are, you know, we're all over the place. It's really weird. But we're all so stoked because... How many have you gone to learning events out there like DevLearn or anything in the past? I mean, no. conferences. I've been to Pulse for sure, but no. Yeah, that's like probably local. different. Yeah. No, that like Pulse is actually for like at Pulse this week, there were so many people talking about education and education was coming up and learning and customer ed and scale digital success, scale success. All of these things require education is requisite. If you don't build that education into your fabric for customer success, you are screwed and and if you don't do it fast like in, if you're growing you're a series a b c if you you don't start building that substrate there you're you're going to run into and this is my new thing i'm, I'm pitching that i think technical debt you know that that's oh, yeah oh gosh you know but i i hypothesize that technical debt is actually knowledge or educational debt okay. failure to act with the education meaning so like this is a different way of thinking about it I look at education as teaching everybody, partners, customers, internal people about the product and what the product does and how we train them, how we use the product, how we talk about the project, the words, the values, all that stuff is so fundamentally important. If we don't, if we don't start thinking about that early, we're screwed. And that's why you kind of fit in there at that time. And I'm, I'm really thankful to see things like ThinkEffect Plus. Now, going to Locon, the thing I was trying to tell you is that I've been to those other events, Pulse, I've been to DevLearn event like ATD, all these different things, they're way more 
And I, and I would I would put Sedma out there too because they're they're more in the customer education space and they're pretty good too. But even from Sedma, even from Devmore, all these stuff, we don't get the opportunity to do that other thing we like to do, which is I want to work together. I want to work on a project with you, Aaron. Like let's think about something new and and what what joy comes from just actually learning directly from other people that are doing the work and what we create out of that. That's what I'm stoked for. Yeah, it, it looks really cool. I mean, the 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 workshops, the the unconference for learning professionals. I love that. Yeah, I do too. All right. Well, with that, again, Locon is, is out there July 21st. It's a weekend thing. It's going to be amazing. We're going to have a great time. You're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Sign up. Any other events or any things that you have going on right now? And then I'll bring it home. I mean, that's all for now. I would say like... If you wanted to get in touch with us at any time, just go to thinkific.com slash plus and, and you can learn more about that. But I'm, I think I think you also have a, a fantastic resource for that as well. Thanks. Yeah, we do. This is going to be great. Okay. Well, I think we're right about time. And this is that time in the show that once again, Aaron, I, I thank you very much. We can get in contact with you. Again, you just gave us a link for Thinkific. But on LinkedIn, are you where are you very active online, social media otherwise? You can find me on LinkedIn for sure. Yeah, I don't do too much Twitter these days, but uh, where 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 am I? That blue check mark. Yeah, I'm yeah, a, I'm a link I'm a LinkedIn person because this is where I live. I have other places. And okay, so as as we're walking out the door, folks, again, if you want to learn more, you want to talk to Aaron, anything, we have a podcast website, and we've got the best domain ever. All you have to remember is customer education. That's where C Labs home is. There you can find show notes, other things. Guess what? Thanks to our wonderful uh, production company, Castos, we'll give them a good mention. We are now delivering video too. So that's why you know, we actually didn't wear crummy clothes on a Friday afternoon. Thanks, Aaron, you know, in the memo. <laughs> and you can watch us on, on a video too. So there's where you would see stuff. And if you found value in this podcast, I have to ask and compel you, please tell your friends, tell your peers, tell your network, Help us find the others because that's what we're doing in this market space. Customer education has been emerging out of other fields and we're finding others every day. Like Aaron, thanks for being my friend and connecting. Now we know each other and I'd be happy to talk to you anytime. Folks out in the audience, if you want to talk to us, great. And remember, we have now a link at the top of the website. If you want to talk and you have a great idea or you want to pitch the cool things that you've done with your customer education program, we really, really, really want to talk to you. We want you on the show. All right. So thanks so much, everybody. Thanks to Alan Coda for providing our amazing theme music. And for all of you who subscribe right now, how about a five-star rating? Apple Music. We got a five, 100% five-star going on right now, and it's just blowing my mind. Thanks for joining us. Get out there, educate, experiment, and find your people. Cheers, everybody.